lay out a plan for yourself. And do you want to get out of debt? Do you want to pay off your car early because it's really high interest? Or do you want to save? Do you want to save for vacation? Do you want to save for Christmas? What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And you can do all three. You are listening to episode three, season three of the Latina Mom Legacy podcast. Do you know anything about investing for your future? Do you have a budget or are you just working and living paycheck to paycheck? In this episode, I talk with a Latina mom of one who's taken her struggles, transformed her finances, and now wants to help you. She's money coach Natalia Segoviano. Join us as we give you five steps to get your financial foundation in order so you can start living the life you really want. Plus, we'll talk about raising a bilingual daughter, motherhood, and the financial advice we got while growing up Latina. Así que no te lo pierdas. You're listening to the Latina Mom Legacy Podcast, where we empower moms raising bilingual kids, talk about growing up Hispanic and tradiciones, and celebrate motherhood. It's time to keep it real, learn tips and tricks from other moms like you, and start creating a legacy your abuela would be proud of. If you're a Latina mom or have a multicultural family like mine, then you're in the right place. I am your host, proud immigrant daughter, rock star wife, and mom to now six-year-old Victoria Grace, my legacy founder and cafecito lover, Jenny Perez. Hola, hola. How are you? I hope that you're doing well. I hope that life is treating you kind wherever it is that you find yourself today. Welcome to the Latina Mom Legacy Podcast. I am your host, Jenny Perez. Thank you for taking time out of your day to spend with me. Oh my goodness. If you're not familiar with the podcast or if this is the first time that you're listening to this podcast, I usually spend about five minutes just talking about, you know, kind of what went on during the week and what's going on in my life. The past couple of weeks have been a little bit of of a challenge, especially with my daughter, Victoria. And if you're a longtime listener, you know that my daughter has some emotional I don't like saying issues, but she has emotional sensitivities, if you will. She suffers from anxiety, and since she was little, she suffered from separation anxiety. It just manifests itself in different ways, and it's something that it's been a bit of a challenge over over the years. So anyway, her father is traveling uh, now that um, the borders seem to be opening up around the world. So he is traveling. Um, he is a musician. So he actually he's not working for this trip, but but anyway, he's gone, and it's just been a little bit uh, difficult. And we've had a few more episodes, more episodes than than we typically have. And then, of course, with my mom now staying with us and my mom is staying with us for for a while. You know, sometimes the way our parents brought us up is very different how many of us want to raise our children. So that can create a little bit of an interesting dynamic parents did the best that they could or that they knew and sometimes the easiest solution for them is you know chancletazo or (laughs) to resolve issues with um with violence and it's not how I want to raise my daughter I'm not saying that I'm perfect and I'm not saying that I don't yell because God said I yell enough (laughs) but I really 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 do not want to want to hurt my child physically and and that's just how I want to raise her if you want to spank your child that's your child you're more than entitled to to raise your child how you want to raise your child but I'm just sharing how I want to raise my child so anyway 
So having three generations under the same house is is a bit of a challenge at times, especially when we have those episodes because I want to be respectful to my mom. But at the same time, I need to let her know that this is my child. And while I understand that we're raising children differently or she raised her children differently, I need her to understand that I need her to respect the house and to respect me, you know, that I'm raising my my daughter the way I'm raising her. And so far, it's been it's been okay. It hasn't been like a big thing. She really, my mom is, I love her. She really doesn't butt in. You know, it's just those instances where it's, it gets to be a little bit much, where we tend to have a little bit of a, a disagreement in terms of, how, you know, how to raise her and stuff. But, but anyway, all good, all good. You know, all these things that life throws you are just, you know, new opportunities for, for learning and new opportunities for growth. So I take it with grace and, you know, you know, because what else can we do, right? I hope you had a great Memorial Day weekend. I cleaned. I cleaned a lot. <laughs> if you listened to last week's episode with Nesreen Ahmed, um, she is a grief coach. Uh, you probably heard me say that, you know, she asked me a question about how do I get my frustration out? It's something along the lines of like, how do I uh, have a release? And my release is cleaning. <laughs> So I spent a good, good portion of the weekend cleaning. And it was so satisfying, y'all. It was so satisfying. Like one of those like deep cleanings where empiezas lavando la ropa y terminas lavando. <laughs> You're like doing the rugs and the curtains and everything before you know it. The reason why I, I ended up cleaning was because it was raining and we just had three solid days of rain. I had plans to go to the beach and yeah, that did not happen. We ended up doing like a, a, a little grill today but it was good. It was good. I started taking this course from Dean Brazioso and Tony Robbins. If you're not familiar with them, they're really big on positivity and motivation and the information business. And it's just very interesting. So investing in your education is worth your while. It's always worth your time. And I'm a big, 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 big supporter of education and continuing education and empowering yourself after college, way into your 30s, into your 40s, as long as you can. Honestly, you're never too old to learn something new and to empower yourself. And especially in today's world, you have to keep up. You really have to keep up. And the only way to keep up is to continue continue to learn. So um, I'll, I'll let you know how it goes. It's, it's, very, um, it's very cool so far. I like it. I like it. On today's episode, we are talking money. We are talking about setting your foundation and letting go of those fears with Natalia Segoviano. I need you to grab a notepad. I will wait. <laughs> You're going to want to take notes, I promise. Espero que te guste and more than anything, I hope that it empowers you to take action, lady. Or gentlemen. <laughs> bueno, I'll see you in a bit. Ciao, ciao. I am so excited to have on today's guest, Natalia Segoviano. She is a Latina mom. She is a money coach. We're going to talk money and finances today. But before we talk about all that good stuff and before we empower you to start your on your financial journey, uh, let's get to know Natalia a little bit more. Natalia, tell us a little bit about yourself. 
Sure. So I'm originally from Guatemala. I was born there. I came here when I was four. I grew up in the United States. I you know, went to college, went the traditional route. I got married to my wonderful husband, who is from Guadalajara. We got married in Guadalajara. And then we have a four-year-old daughter who we are raising to be strong in her Latina culture because by the time we get around to her, she's already going to be second generation. And I don't want all of it to be lost. Um, we live in Southern California, and I actually have a full-time job outside of this, but I do work part-time as a money coach. But a lot of it is because I have a passion and love for sharing financial education, and I just want to share it with as many people as possible, especially people of color in my community that really uh, need this information. I love that you're on because we're going to help empower a lot of moms. So you mentioned that you are raising your daughter to be connected to her roots. So let's talk a little bit about that. What are you doing in your home to encourage her or to empower her que hable español or to be connected with her roots? You know, it all started even from the second we were picking her name. We were very intentional that we wanted a name that could not be construed into something or shortened or just changed. So her name is Mariana. And we were really intentional even about that part. And since she was born, we've always spoken to her in Spanish. Um, we only read Spanish books in the home. And we've told all our family to only speak to her in Spanish since she was born. And so because we did all that, you know, now she's four and she's fluent. Um, she actually was accepted as a native Spanish speaker into a dual language program. Um, she understands, she speaks it fluently. Now, of course, you know, she's four and she's watched a lot of YouTube and mm -hmm. um, English, but really, I mean, her Spanish is pretty solid and I'm really happy about that. And so what we do to reinforce that is a lot of reading, a lot of talking and teaching in Spanish and just trying to develop those skills. We had family bring us Spanish workbooks from Mexico um, and we just try to embrace that and always teach her about our traditions. You know, last year, you know, we watched Coco around the Dia de los Muertos mm -hmm. to have her face painted. So I hired somebody to come paint her face and she had this beautiful Mexican dress that my father-in-law brought Aww. her. And she, it's just, you know, showing her and embracing all of that curiosity that she has. We do the same thing with the Guatemalan culture. Um, since mm -hmm. And she just loves it. She loves talking. She knows she's like, I'm going to go to Guadalajara. Vamos a Guadalajara. Yo voy a ver a mis primos. Allá está mi abuelo. You know, so she's very aware. And we just continue to do that every single day and reinforce it. Now, do you have any favorite books or any favorite apps or any favorite toys that you can recommend to the moms listening? You know, we don't really use apps. We mostly focus on the books. And we have mm -hmm. a of different books. I always just look for everything that's only in Spanish. In fact, to the point that I kind of hid all of my English books. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't know English exists. <laughs> yeah. YouTube now she does, but I mean, I don't think we have favorites. So there was one big one that I actually didn't learn about until we actually went to Mexico in 2018 with her. There is a YouTube channel called Gallina Pintadita. You know, when she was first born, I really struggled with finding like, how do I teach her these like, you know, nursery rhymes in Spanish that I don't even know. And so we were just looking around, we found canticos, but it was bilingual and I wanted something just in Spanish. So when we went to Mexico, you know, we have nieces and nephews there and they shared this this channel called Gallina Pintadita that has great 
content for kids and it's all in Spanish and it has all the different songs and all these things and I'll never forget that because when we found that channel we kept playing it over and over for her um, so that she would learn you know the words and the songs that even we were learning with her that we had no idea because you know we weren't um, raised with these music with these kind of nursery rhymes because we were raised here in the United States. Is that the one that has, like, the kids' songs more tropical? Like, something that you actually wanted to dance to? Yeah. I wonder if it's the same one. Yeah, the music is really a beat. And the one song that always sticks out is because it's my daughter's name. It's Mariana Cuenta Uno. Mariana Cuenta. And then it just keeps going. So that's where they introduced that song. And we were playing. And I, when they showed me that, I was so happy because, you know, we in the United States, at least from when I was trying to search for things, I kept kind of hitting a wall I wasn't really mm -hmm. really wanted and so you know for example I know on your website you have those little kind of cards with all the different words mm -hmm. and so time what I was doing was I was hosting online groups for moms and so we would get on with our kids and then what I would do is I would like show them on my computer those cards that you have and we would go over all the words we would read a book all in Spanish so it was all moms who want to teach their kids Spanish or want to cultivate their kids Spanish language and we would just all get together and we would do this on our own you know just us moms and every week a mom took a turn we would read a book we would go over, you know, different words with the kids and have them repeat. And it was a lot of fun. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. So what we did for our baby shower was instead of cards, we had people bring us books. Oh, I love that. Yeah, we have a ton of books in Spanish because everybody knew that we wanted to teach her Spanish as a primary language. And so that's what we do. We only read in Spanish. Um, we try to only speak in Spanish. ¿Cómo te llamas? Mariana, Lexus, Sengoñano. ¿Te gusta ir a la escuela? No. ¿No te gusta ir a la escuela? Bueno, un poquito, sí. ¿Y qué te gusta hacer en la escuela? Uh, jugar con mi friend. It's gotten harder as she's gotten older. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just how we've done it. I actually have a big bucket of all the English books in my closet, and I just kind of hide them there. We also do a lot of kind of workbook activities also in Spanish. That's what we do. I don't I don't think I have any favorites. She just has all the regular kids' toys. You know, everything is in Spanish, the words, and describe them to her and those kinds of things. It's so great when you have, when she's immersed in the language, because she's mm -hmm. getting Spanish from you. She's getting Spanish from your husband. But also, it's so great that from the beginning, you had a plan that your family, even to the point where your extended family knew que mm -hmm. se le va a hablar en español. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important because you want to have a supportive community and if, <laughs> it takes a village, right? And you want to have that support system. I think that's really good because it offers them, again, that immersion, that experience, that, that exposure, I should say, of having the language, not just in the home, but outside the home as well. Exactly. And we always were very clear with anybody that was around us, including family and friends. Actually, we had a girlfriend of mine come over recently for the first play date after COVID because we were both finally vaccinated. And so we came, she came over with her daughter, who's around the same age as her. And she asked me, she's like, so are you doing English or Spanish now? We've <laughs> <laughs> been always very clear with people around us that we speak to her in Spanish. If you can try to speak to her in Spanish and just reinforcing that with every single person that walks through our doors. We actually bought this little sign um, that says, En esta casa se habla español. Oh, and so I love she, that. <laughs> um, yeah, so we actually bought it from Raising Español. Um, she's uh, Ana Lili, 
on mm-hmm. Instagram. You know, when we put that in, and when she started to really repeat things, so now she knows. And I tell her, I'm like, tú ya sabes, en esta casa. And she goes, se habla español. <laughs> so she knows the expectation in the home. I mean, it hasn't been easy because, you know, my husband and I, our Spanish isn't great. <laughs> but it, it has been a struggle. It's, it has to be intentional on both of our parts because we don't know all of the words. We are not perfectly fluent. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of our Spanish along you know all these years of growing up here and it's not something that we work on all the time so there's times where I don't know how to say something where I have to use Google Translate yeah you know there's always those moments where you struggle because you just don't know how to explain it in depth in the language that you don't use day to day right in personal life yeah right because you're you're more comfortable speaking English. I mean, that's, that's for sure my case. And we've gotten Mm -hmm. to the point now that like, I'll read some books and she'll read some books and she'll stop and she's like, mommy, what does this mean? Mm -hmm. And I'll be like, I have no idea. (laughs) I'll be like, I honestly don't know what that means. So I'll just like type it in and, you know, on the phone and see what it means. And I'll be like, huh, I didn't know what that was. And we'll usually like type it in and look at a picture so that it gives both of us a visual cue of what that word is. Mm -hmm. And it's just very interesting that that as they get older, like, I think it's good for them to see that the hey, you're human too. You don't know everything. And sometimes you have to use a dictionary or Google to help you. <laughs> Natalia, thank you so much for sharing. We are back and I am so excited to start talking about dinero. Dinero, mi gente, dinero. Dinero is so important. And on today's show, we're going to talk about building a financial foundation. Natalia and I are going to work together and give you the five tips to build that financial foundation. She's going to take her lessons as a coach, and I'm going to tell you my experience with her lessons so that we can empower you to get started. And in our second episode, because this is a two-part series, in our second episode, we're going to teach you how to build or how to start to build generational wealth, which is muy importante, especially in our culture. Natalia, thank you so much. We're so excited to have you on Let's talk a little bit about your background and what inspired you to become a money coach. Hi, oh, thank you for having me. So, you know, it's so funny because it all started with my own journey, right? I have been on my own personal journey um, to better my life financially for many, many years. And it all just kind of came from that. You know, I started a Instagram account to share about budgeting because I was sharing about it a lot on my personal account. And I was like, let me just share because, you know, a lot of have been asking me because I would talk to anybody and anyone that would listen about budgeting. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just want to tell everyone, like, let me tell you what I'm learning. Let me tell you what I what I'm hearing and this and that. And so I started this page just to, just for fun. I never intended this to be a business. I just wanted to share what I was learning. And that was my passion. Right. I want to put out all this information because in my own situation, I was encountering a lot of kind of walls. I was hitting walls with people, right? I can't help you with financial advising because you don't make enough money. I can't help you because, you know, you need to pay me six, $7,000. So just to give you a little bit of background on my situation, my husband is a stay-at-home dad. I work full-time. Um, I have a good job that thankfully provides us health insurance, that provides me a good salary, and we're very lucky and privileged that we uh, rent a home from my father-in-law, right? So we're mm-hmm. in a very 
good situation at, that allows me to work and my husband to stay home. Now, given that, it's still very difficult. <laughs> you know, Southern California is not cheap and providing for a family of three is it's just not cheap. And so it uh -huh. definitely requires a budget and good money management in order to make it happen and to give us the kind of life that I want for us, right? And so out of all of that just came my own journey of getting my credit card debt under control because I was of over $18,000 in credit card debt. And, you know, at the time, I also had student loan debt, which we all, you know, have struggled mm -hmm. with. Yeah. And so it was just so, so hard, right? And actually, before COVID hit, I was working six days a week. I was working so much overtime because I was trying to get us by and get rid of this debt. And so when COVID hit, I just decided it's going to time to you know, revamp everything because I wasn't getting overtime and I needed to figure out our whole situation. And so I started really diving into the financial industry and educating myself. Mm -hmm. I took an investment course. I started reading books. I started binging podcasts. Literally every single podcast I listened to was about money. And I just got so, you know, fired up. <laughs> Became like an obsession. Yes. It's still an obsession. I have to stop myself. <laughs> So, you know, it just became a part of my personal journey in trying to sort my own things out that this all was born from. And so I started this Instagram page and I invited my friends, hey, come see, like, look at my, my budgeting stuff. And that was it. And a couple of my friends started asking me, hey, you know, you should do workshops. Like, you should do workshops about budgeting. And I was like, all right, let me just see what I can do. So I put together workshops and that's how it all began. I started doing workshops, um, you know, via Zoom because COVID, at that time COVID had hit. But even before COVID, I actually um, hosted a wine and budgeting event in my house. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> my girlfriends, we had wine, we had charcuterie, and I worked on their budgets and just for fun. Like, honestly, I didn't charge them anything. It was just because I wanted to teach them what I was learning. And I found that a lot of people don't have budgets at all mm -hmm. and no idea what was going on with their money. And I told them, I'm like, look, and I and I made a list of all their expenses and I made a list of their income. And I'm like, you don't need to be in debt. You have the money. You just need to direct it to its proper place. And that's really just how all this was born out of a passion and love for wanting to spread this information. And little by little, it has turned into this business that gives us a little bit of income that helps out our little family, but that I also put back into my community. I'm very, very intentional of the way I spend my money. Um, you know, we hired a uh, woman of color as our CPA. When I took my investment course, again, it was a woman of color. So I'm very intentional about where my money is coming back, right? Because mm -hmm. I am about empowering all of us, you know, that really need to bring ourselves up and putting the money back to where I came from, right? Like I'm an immigrant and my family struggled and, you know, where, my, where we live, it wasn't, you know, the best area. And I really wanted to keep going back to where I'm from. And teaching all all of these lessons to anybody that would hear me out. I love that. I think that money is a topic and a subject that a lot of people do not like to talk about. And mm -hmm. it's my personal experience that because my parents were very old school, el dinero debajo el colchón, or the money goes in a savings account and it just sits there. Mm -hmm. I think that because many of us, I should say, I think because many of us come from that, Money is a t is a subject that people tend to be afraid to talk about because when you don't know about something, mm -hmm. eventually comes fear, right? The unknown. Mm -hmm. So people rather kind of put it to the side, not think about it, not talk about it, and think that 
it's either going to take care of itself on its own Mm -hmm. Or you're like, well, you get complacent. You know, maybe I'm not where I like to be, but it's okay. I, I'm getting by. And I think that as a culture, we have to change that mindset and challenge those thoughts and those beliefs. Because when you don't challenge those thoughts and your and those beliefs, te vas a quedar atrás. You're going to continue the cycle of the money under the mattress, just having a savings account and not having enough money to pass down and having to work nine to five, seven days a week. We have to break that cycle. Yeah. Not being able to retire, not teaching our children about how to manage money, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, I was definitely there. I was there. Um, I didn't want to deal with it. <laughs> I definitely had it like compartmentalized for a long time because I was scared. I didn't understand investing. And I, I was like, I'm not good at math. I, I'm not good at this. Like, I can't figure this out. And honestly, I totally understand it now. And it's it's so empowering. And I think... Once you start to learn, it really, it becomes a little bit easier to manage all of that. Um, and it's all, I honestly believe it's all about education, right? I, my three things that I say on my page always is educate, empower, and that's going to lead you to financial freedom. Absolutely. Um, just need the information. You just need to understand it so that you can decide what's best. So let's help our listeners and myself get educated on money and dinero. <laughs> So what are five tips that you have to create a financial foundation? The five tips are budgeting, the importance of having an emergency fund, understanding your debt, living below your means, and investing early and often. Okay, so let's start with budgeting. Mm -hmm. So budgeting is the absolute foundation to any of the above. I firmly believe that you cannot move forward until you have a budget. Now, I'm not saying that this means that you have to restrict yourself. I am not about deprivation. Um, you can create a budget that still allows you to fulfill your happiness and your life, whatever that looks like. But you need to understand, one, where your money is going, and two, where you want your money to go. Like, what is your intention? And how are you going to meet your goals? Because until you have that written out, you will have no idea really what's going on, and it's going to be chaos. <laughs> and and I have taken several courses, several workshops, investment course, and I took an all-day financial summit. And every single time I start any of my financial education workshops, it always starts with a budget. There's different ways to budget. Um, you know, there's what they call paycheck to paycheck budgeting, which is, you know, you create a budget per each check that you get. That's the one that I prefer because I get paid two times a month and mm -hmm. it just a clear outline of where my money is going to go. There is zero based budgeting, which is just, you know, you start out with your income, you put all your expenses in a list. And you just go down until it equals zero. Um, you know, there's also envelopes. People use cash envelopes. I actually started with that because I was trying to manage my spending. Um, mm -hmm. I was a big spender. I really was impulsive and out of control, honestly. Um, and, you know, that's why I landed in over $18,000 in credit card debt. And so I started with cash budgeting as a way to teach me to rein it in, to have right. control, right? Because you have a lot more control when you use cash versus right a card when you have cash there's no doubt about how much money you have left <laughs> and it hurts more it physically hurts more it hurts if you think about it when you go pay at the store with cash mm -hmm. and you physically you hand them over a 20 dollar bill and you get cents back think about how that makes you feel versus just handing over a card and then just getting a receipt back Like, it's less painful when you hand uh, a credit card. I totally agree. Cash is whenever possible. I would definitely recommend that that you have cash. And like you said, especially when you're trying to 
start out or mm -hmm. when you're trying to kind of rein it in and, and get in control? Mm -hmm. Definitely. I mean, that was that was a big one for me. You know, two things was having using cash and tracking my spending. That mm -hmm. was huge. And that is actually what I encourage my clients to do and what I encourage, you know, anybody to start with because you need to have an understanding of where your money's going. You don't know how bad it is until you see it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and like I've done a number of things in my personal life. So I have a a spreadsheet, old school Excel mm -hmm. spreadsheet that I've had gosh for about 15 years mm -hmm. where I track everything. I track everything. I, I know how much money I have, uh, how much money I don't have, uh, what I owe, what I don't owe, how much money is coming in. I practice what you said, the paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. So every two weeks, business is a little bit different, but with my regular biweekly paycheck, that's tracked on that spreadsheet. But in addition to that, and many of you may have heard of him, Dave Ramsey. I'm a big fan of Dave Ramsey. And I do one of his apps as well, again, for budgeting, so mm -hmm. that I know how much money is going out, how much money is coming in. And if you do it consistently over time and over a few months, you'll start to see patterns and you'll start to know, like, okay, like I know for me, I have to budget money every month for books. Mm -hmm. Because I love books I, and I love getting Victoria books. And that's something that makes me happy, but I have to budget for that. And the same thing is like with travel. Like I, for me, travel is not necessarily, necessarily a luxury. It's something that makes me happy that's part of my life. So I have to budget that into my monthly, my weekly, you know, whether I'm saving for a trip, then I know that I need to take, you know, okay, this paycheck, I'm going to take an extra $50, $100, whatever it is. And that's going to go towards that. So like you mentioned, having goals, you know, you have to know where you're going because otherwise, if you don't know where you're going, you know, the GPS is going to send you into the lake. <laughs> and, you know, you kind of, you, you hit it right on and you kind of bring me now to like the next step after budgeting is okay. Understanding your debt and also understanding your savings or lack thereof. Right. Um, because in order to, once you have a budget, that's a good start, but then you say, okay, what are my goals? What do I want to achieve with this? Right. And I always think, you know, just start out with only three goals that you want to achieve because that's the way you're going to, you know, lay out a plan for yourself. And do you want to get out of debt? Do you want to pay off your car early because it's really high interest? Or do you want to save? Do you want to save for vacation? Do you want to save for Christmas? What do you want to do? And you can do both mm -hmm. and you can do all three, which is paying off debt do savings and investing. You can do all three. I think one big thing that I learned after COVID was that I had tunnel vision, right? Before COVID, I thought I had to get out of debt ASAP. I have to get out of debt. Mm -hmm. My debt. I had no savings, zero. Okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. COVID hit and I started seeing what was happening and, you know, your job is potentially in jeopardy and you have no savings. That, that got really scary. And I started hearing a lot of financial experts say, you know, well, that's why we need an emergency fund. And initially before COVID, I was like, well, we just need a thousand dollar emergency fund. No rush. But no, was I wrong? You know, um, you actually should have anywhere between three months, six months, nine months to 12 months, depending on your situation, right? If you have a situation like mine, where you're only dependent on one income, then you should have at least six months to a year, right? Because that's a big risk to take. If you were to lose your job tomorrow, if you couldn't work, if you got hurt and you have zero income, that's going to hurt and that's going to lead you to spiral even more into debt, right? And if you know, if you have a stable job, if you have two income household, then you can do just three, six, nine months, right? But it really is a sense of security. Now, it, maybe you do have a lot of savings, but you have some debt because 
you know, you some people have the scarcity mindset where they're so afraid to let go of that money, but you're carrying this debt. I actually had a client like that who she always had to have a certain amount in her checking account to feel safe. And mm-hmm. I said, okay, but she also had credit card debt. And I told her, what you're doing is actually you're losing money because you're paying the credit card interest every single month that you're just paying the minimum. And, and you should never have a balance roll over on a credit card ever, right? Pay it off in full every month. And once I showed her that and I showed her you're actually losing money by just not paying this card off completely, she went and paid it off. And, you know, that was that. But it's just those perspectives that I don't think people understand. One big one for me was really shocking. I didn't I've had several people who didn't realize that they were losing money when they were having credit card balances roll over every month, especially if you have high interest rates. That's just money that that you're giving away, giving away. Now, I'll be 100% transparent. I have debt. I have control debt. (laughs) I hope to be debt free in the next uh, couple years, God willing. But I'm not afraid of debt. I mean, debt does not take over my life. I have savings. I have my my retirement uh, accounts. So for me, I have goals Mm -hmm. and saving, investing, doing other things Mm -hmm. uh, in addition to paying off my debt. Yes, I'm on track and hopefully I can pay off more than than what I have set. But understanding and having that balance of how much money you are getting versus how much and where it's going. It's very, very important to have this understanding. Like I can tell you exactly how much I allot for groceries, exactly how much goes to my credit card, exactly how much goes into saving and investing Because once you practice it and do it enough for so long, it becomes part of your life. It becomes habit. It's automatic. And you mentioned this before that at the beginning, you know, the beginning is a little scary. You feel unbalanced. You're not sure what the hell you're doing. Um, And then as you gain confidence, as you see your debt go down, as you see your savings go up, as you see your retirement increase, as you see then, okay, you have your emergency fund set. That gives you confidence, right? And you start to let go of that fear because I know that fear, ese miedo, is what impedes us from moving forward. And you know, you actually reminded me of something about not being afraid of your debt is that there's definitely things such as good good debt and bad debt, right? I call it the hierarchy of debt. And so, like you mentioned, you know, high interest debt you want to get rid of. That's usually credit cards, right? Also could be cars, depending on what your interest rate is. But there's definitely, you know, quote unquote, good debt, right? Mm-hmm. Like investment in your education. Student loans, although they suck, it's not the worst debt for you to have because it got you an education. It got you a step forward, right? And so while, yes, we want to um, try to get those under control, it's not the worst debt to have a mortgage. Also, not the worst debt to have, right? A car, my car, I just refinanced it for only, I think, 2.99%. And so it's not the worst interest rate. And so it's not going to set me back a lot. Now, you know, there are more priorities in life, like having an emergency fund. It's so much more important than paying off in a car that only has 2.9 interest. Because I want to be sure that in case of anything happening, if case something happens to the car, that I have the cash to pay for it or else what's going to happen, right? We're going to land right back into debt. And so I always tell my clients, you know, this is why you need to focus on the emergency fund before you start to think about anything else because it, it, this is literally for you. It could mean staying out of debt or not because most Americans don't have an emergency fund. They can't cover a $3,600 emergency. Some might not be able to cover a $400 emergency, right? And 
is so, so important in your life so you don't get set back. It's so true because an emergencies happen at any time. And I'll just give you an example. So my father passed away last December and he had some accounts with my mom. And then he had like an account where he was by himself, but my mom was the beneficiary. So basically, in a nutshell, my mom's money, like the, the money that she was entitled to was tied up. Mm-hmm. So she had she could not have access to those funds. Mm-hmm. So it literally took my brother, my sister and I to scramble. I mean, not scramble, but I had to like take money out of, you know, a couple of places in order to pay for his funeral expenses because they don't wait. I mean, yeah, you I guess I'm not sure. I guess you could finance, but it's not something that we wanted to incur on our credit report. So, you know, we just kind of put our heads together and we got the money and, you know, we were able to pay for it. But that that was an emergency. That was like something. Hey, you have to pay this right now or you're not going to get your dad's remains. Like that's just, it doesn't get any more real with that. And thank God, luckily we did have that money. We were able to, to come up with that. But I know, I know people that haven't been so lucky in a situation like that. So having that emergency fund, those funds that anything happens that you have easy access to that is very important. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, we just finished one of our big goals this year for my husband and I was to do our estate planning for exactly that reason, to prevent any, you know, delays in case of anything happening to us. And, you know, we filled that out this year, had everything lined up so that all our finances would be easily transferable to one another or to our daughter in the case of any emergency happening. Right. I think COVID really woke us up um, to all the potential things that could happen in just, you know, a snap of a finger. It made, unfortunately, it made death a reality and it made our mortality something real that it's not just, hey, it doesn't happen when you're 90. I mean, my dad was in his 80s, but how many young people, how many people did we read about in the news or in the paper that died? You know, they were healthy. They were in their 30s. They were in their 40s and leaving behind kids, young kids, leaving behind families. And I think that definitely woke us up in a good way, because I think that we needed that slap in the face to be like, okay, stuff just got real. I need to sit down. I need to sit down with my family. I need to plan for the inevitable or what could happen. And I need to empower myself. No puedo estar ciega de lo que está pasando. This Mommy Break is brought to you by Mi Legacy Shop. Mi Legacy Shop is a marketplace that I personally created that celebrates our Latinx heritage and promotes Spanish language learning. You can shop our best-selling onesies or child tees with sayings like sana sana colita de rana. Tell the world I'm not a regular mom, I'm a Latina mom with one of our eco-friendly totes. Or you can also download print-at-home flashcards and educational material that will help your child learn Espanol. Use promo code POD25 or POD25 and get 25% off your first order. That's Mi Legacy Shop spelled M-I-L-E-G-A-S-I shop.com. No te lo pierdas. We talked about the importance of budgeting. We talked about the importance of understanding your debt versus savings. Mm -hmm. Uh, We touched on the importance of the emergency fund. What other tips do you have for us for setting that foundation? Well, the, the next two go hand in hand, right? Living below your means. Yes. Can you <laughs> yes. say that louder? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Man, I think this is the hardest one for people, right? Gente, people. I, I need to, I need to, uh, 
I can go off on a tangent here. I really can because mm -hmm. I think this is that mentality of scarcity of not having enough that you feel that you have to dress to impress, that you have to have the nicest car, that you need to have whatever it is that you need to show to the world. But you have to ask yourself, okay, what is real to you? Mm -hmm. What is real to you? Because I know that there are people that, and I'm not judging, maybe I am a little bit, but <laughs> that drive, maybe a car, having a nice car is very important. And that's fine. If you, if, if part, if having a good car, you know, because you travel, all you do is travel by car and you know, you need a good car. Hey, that's an investment for your career. I understand that. Yes. Invest in your career. No problem. But if you have a car that you just spent 50 grand, okay. And you do not have an emergency fund. Okay. You are not saving for your retirement for that. You know, then check yourself, check yourself. Because I think that the problem is deeper, way deeper. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. You know, one thing I always say to my clients and across the board is like, look, I am not here to judge you on what you do with your money. But you telling me that you have these goals and you are not prioritizing those goals, that's the problem, right? As long as your goals are being met, I don't care that you go to Starbucks every day. <laughs> I don't care that you want to buy a $400 purse. If you saved up for that purse and it's in your budget, then go for it, right? I am yeah. here to support whatever you want to do. I really, it does not matter to me. We all have different priorities. We, you know, I talk about this all the time with my girlfriend. We all have different priorities in what we see. You know, I like to call myself a bougie traveler, right? <laughs> me too, me too. <laughs> I want to be in first class. I want to be in nice hotels. I want to travel. You know, I want to travel comfortably and like just live up that life, right? Now, on my day-to-day, -day, do I live that life? Absolutely not. <laughs> me too, I hear you. I'm exactly the same way. Like I budget for travel because mm -hmm. travel is something that makes me very happy mm -hmm. and as you I like to travel and be comfortable I like the nice hotels I like to spend that extra money on the nice restaurants I like to give myself a good time when I go out okay do I drive a nice car like a, a, a 2021 2020 car no I bought my car used did I pay cash yes I paid cash for my car do I use my car every day yeah but I don't use it a lot it's not part of my job or my career I'm not driving like 50 miles every day I'm okay with the car I have do I wear designer clothes no labels to me don't really I'm a t-shirt jeans yoga pants type girl you know every once in a while when I go out yeah I like to dress up who doesn't right but for me I don't feel like I need to blow $500 on a dress for you, maybe that's important to you. So budget if that's important to you. But what we're saying is there are other things that may be more important that you need to focus on. Absolutely. What I do with my clients when we build the budgets, I tell them, okay, you know, start to think about what's important to you. What do you want to save for? What is it in your day-to-day -day life that you don't want to lose? Now let's build that. Let's see what that budget looks like. And then we have to assess, right? We have to assess. Now, based on your goals that you're telling me and with this current budget, do you think that you can meet those goals? Yes or no? If the answer is yes, then fine. You know, go spend however much you want, wherever you want. But if the answer is no, then we got to pump the brakes a little bit, reassess and make sure that our goals are taken care of, that we are investing in ourselves for the future, that we are taking care of, our, you know, ourselves today, as far as the emergency fund to make sure that we're prepared for anything that can come, you know, are we paying our debts? So that's super important before we even talk about anything else, right? And so that's why when you build your budget, there's no lying, right? There's, I always say the numbers don't lie, the budget mm -hmm. Really, what's hard is the day-to-day -day decisions. Now, Absolutely. Actually, 
Yeah, you know, like it's really, it's the mentality. That's the hardest, hardest, hardest for every single person is to change those mentalities and those mindsets, right? Those, me and my friend, actually I have a friend who we just built a 90-day program together and she's a mindset coach. So we're working together, you know, I'm the financial coach and she's the mindset coach and we're working with people on their money triggers, on their money traumas. Like, why do you feel this way and where did that come from? And once you understand that, then you really start to see, okay, you know, I'm okay, I'm safe. You know, I don't need this right now. And you start to create those questions in your mind. One funny thing that a lot of people on my Instagram tell me is like, whenever I want to buy something, I ask myself, what would Natalia do? (laughs) (laughs) Would Natalia make this decision? And I always say it comes down to your needs and your wants, right? Is it a need? Is it a a true need, right? Like a real, real need. Um, Or is it just a want? And if it's just a want, can it fit your budget? And if it does, then fine. One one tip that I have, because we're all human, we're all human, and we all have those moments where uh, it's like when I go to Target and I see, oh, look at all the shiny, pretty stuff. <laughs> and there's there, you know, obviously, sometimes you have your list of things that you need to get that you absolutely are. Absolutely. Sure. I need to get, you know, my cosmetics or I need to whatever it is that you need to get. Right. Mm-hmm. And then there are those things that you look at that you're like, oh, I love that. That's so cool. Or that's this and that. And ask yourself, like you said, do I really, 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 really need this mm-hmm. or do I just want this? Mm-hmm. And sometimes what I do is when I'm like, OK, I, I know I'm about to go over my budget, but mm-hmm. let me hold off on getting this. Mm-hmm. And what I'll do is I'll pull it up on the phone. Like I'll go to the target.com or wherever it is. I'll pull it up on the phone, make sure they have it online and then I'll get in the car. I'll go home. And then if I forget about it by the time I get home, I didn't need it. Mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. out of sight out of mind I was like oh, I don't I'm not missing it but if I'm obsessing over like oh no I really kind of I'm you know you go home you're like looking at I don't know your t-shirts or your shoes whatever it is that 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 triggered you mm-hmm. and you're like okay you know I can afford to have this item then what I do is I go online and I grab the item and then I don't feel like okay it's it's a decision that I I gave it some thought it's mm-hmm. not just I didn't just throw it in the shopping cart and picked it up you know I gave myself some time to think about it the, the thought process that you're going through is exactly right. And, you know, we all just have to learn <laughs> to have those processes in our mind, right? Because I think a lot of us are very impulsive, especially when we are triggered and we have an emotion that makes us uneasy. I have them all the time. I had it yesterday, <laughs> you know, and say, you know, it's like, am I going to resolve this any other way? And if not, right, if I'm going to go a little bit over my budget, like look at the perspective, right? Maybe I went $15 over budget on my fund. That's okay. You know why? Because I still saved $1,700 this month. And so I'm yeah. still good, right? Like that's perspective. Like, yeah, I went a couple of dollars over my budget. That's all right. Maybe I can make up with it in another category or maybe I just look at the bigger picture. And so what I like to do is I like to keep a checking account cushion. Um, it could be anywhere, you know, what makes you comfortable, 100, 500, whatever you want. And usually when I go over budget, it eats at that cushion. And so it doesn't mm-hmm. really and I look at my perspective. Am I meeting my goals? Yes, I am. So I'm good. So if that's what it's about, it's like really just questioning what you're doing every step of the way. And you know, another thing that goes with living below your means, it's not just realizing a you don't have endless money. Your credit cards are not free money. <laughs> your credit cards are not an emergency fund. And so realizing like what you have as income, that's it, right? And trying to mm-hmm. live to allow you to meet your goals. But also when you get more income, do not inflate your lifestyle. Yes, 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 yes. yes. You know, a bonus, do not inflate your lifestyle. Put it to your goals first and then give yourself some stuff. I think people sometimes have the impression that in order for you to have financial freedom, that you have to give up on 
the things that make you happy. And that is not true. So I know for me, one thing, because as I mentioned, I am, you know, I am on a plan to pay off my debt. And this is what I do every other week when I'm doing my biweekly budget. Mm-hmm. I start with the positive things, the things that make me happy. Mm-hmm. So what makes me happy is seeing that I contributed to my 401k, mm-hmm. you know, my investment funds. Okay. Seeing that I am adding to Victoria's College Fund, that brings me joy. Mm-hmm. Seeing that my savings has increased, that brings so that is where I start. Mm-hmm. And then after I plug in those numbers, you know, give or take if the market is up or down, but after I know that I'm working towards something positive, that I'm working towards building wealth, mm-hmm. then only then do I start paying bills. Because if you start paying bills first, that's going to put you already in a negative thought process. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I owe so much. Oh, this bill is like never going away. You're kind of like sabotaging yourself and you're making yourself feel like you're lesser than what you really are. So praise yourself for those successes. You know, if you added $50 to your savings account, pat yourself on the back. You're $50 closer to your emergency fund. So all those little wins are wins. Mm -hmm. And It doesn't mean that you have to sacrifice all the things that make you happy because you don't. As Natalia said, when you budget properly, you can still budget for your five, six dollar Starbucks. Why would you? I don't know, because I can't stand Starbucks. But (laughs) but if that if that's what you wanted, if that's how you want. Hey, more power to you. But at least you have that brings you joy. You're budgeting for that. By all means, do that. You know, the, the method that you do, it actually has a name. It's called pay yourself first. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I didn't know that. But yes, yes, mm-hmm. pay yourself first. You come first. <laughs> yep, exactly. And it's definitely a way to maneuver through all of that as well. It's pay yourself first. What makes me happy? What's going to make you know me fulfilled? I always say budgeting is not about deprivation. I'm sure that if you're listening, you may be thinking, I oh, budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I have to know math. Or I, no, 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 I owe too much. Or I, no, my husband takes care of that. And that's the other thing. Don't let your spouse do all the, the money matters. You have to be in control. You have to know because guess what? El día que falte él o ella, ¿qué va a pasar? But not only that, you know, it's not only like, what if they're gone? You know, God forbid something happens where things might go bad in your relationship. And then you know nothing about where your money is. If you have any, you have, you don't have a savings of your own to fall back on. It's just, it's such a danger to be in that situation where you have no idea what's going on. Um, you have to be clear about where your money is going. And those, re- those talks, money talks are really difficult, you know, but they're so necessary. Mira, my mom said to me something when I was very young and I got, I was a rebellious teenager and I think I mentioned this in the previous episode that I I left my house when I was 18 and I went off to live with my boyfriend at the time. And my I'll never forget what my mom said to me. My mom said to me, Miha, make sure that you have your own savings account mm-hmm. because el día de mañana que te quieras ir, te puedes ir. Mm-hmm. These words resonated so much in, in my head. And the reason why she said that was because... I loved my dad. My dad was my personal hero, but he wasn't perfect. And as many Hispanic men from past generations, mi papá fue muy machista when he was younger. So mm-hmm. I know for a fact that there was a point in my parents' marriage where my mom wanted to get out. She wanted to get out. 
And because she didn't, a lot of circumstances, she didn't have her own savings. She didn't know the language, English, so many things that prevented her from taking that step. And granted, through the years, they stuck together and their relationship really transformed. And it really became admirable how they went from being at that point to to transforming their relationship. But the bottom line is, you need to have your independence. To your point, the day of tomorrow, you want to go somewhere, you, you want to get out of that relationship, whatever that relationship is, that you have control over your finances. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important. I always advocate and actually built a workshop with this in mind for um, retirement accounts for people. And one of the big ones that I talked about was a spousal IRA. And it's a spousal individual retirement account that I actually started one for my husband. So if you have a spouse who's staying at home, don't forget about them. We, we're going to both need to retire one day, right? Not just me who's working. We both mm-hmm. need to retire. We both need retirement money. So I started an IRA for him and I contribute to it and he contributes to it because he does have, you know, side jobs here and there. But it's just, you don't forget about the stay-at-home parent, right? Yes. And it's so important. And because why? A lot of them are women. Mm-hmm. Right? There's a very small, small fraction of men who do that. Most of them are women. And we don't want to leave the women behind. And so that kind of brings us into the next thing is the invest early and often, right? I think people don't understand the importance of investing as soon as possible. And that is compound interest. Compound interest is why you need to start as early as you can because compound interest grows over time. Like you can't get that back. Right. So every year that you contribute. So let's say that you max out your IRA at six thousand dollars a year and you get a 10 percent return. Right. So every year that your money is sitting there, it's going to be making you money. So the first year you're going to earn six hundred dollars. Right. So Uh you did six thousand. You get six hundred back growth on 10 percent. The second year, your money's not just going to grow on six thousand. It's going to grow on sixty six hundred. Then you're going to earn 10% on that, right? Then you're going to get another 660 the second year. And so that all compounds every single year, your interest gains interest. And it's not just the little tiny interest rates that we get, right? This is like 6 to 10% annual returns like throughout the history of the stock market. And so that's why the sooner you start, the more time you give your money to grow and the less money you'll actually have to put in. Right. Whereas if we start later, we actually going to have to put more of our money because we're not giving it enough time. And I always tell people, you know, as soon as you can, not only through a employer, you know, but also you can do a retirement account on your own. And, you know, I know we're going to go into this in the second episode, but, you know, just basically starting as early as possible, making it routine, making it practice and doing it as much as you can. is going to allow your money to grow. And that's really how you create generational wealth or just wealth for yourself, for your future self. Absolutely. So I'll share with you my personal story. So mm-hmm. one of the very first books that I read about money was Susie Orman's Nine Steps to Financial Freedom. And I was like 17 at the time. Don't ask me why I was 17 and reading this book. <laughs> I was just always fascinated with with money and finances. And I think it came from a place where I didn't want I think it came from a place that I saw how hard my father worked. Mm-hmm. I saw how my mom didn't work, but she she used to like take care of kids. She always found ways to have her money. Mm-hmm. But I never was taught about investing. 
I was never taught about having a 401k. I was the only thing that I was taught was find yourself a piggy bank. When you're old enough, you get uh, a savings account and save enough to buy for a home. That that was that was the extent of my financial education from my family. Mm-hmm. And I always said, okay, there has to be more. So I took took it upon myself, this 17-year-old self, to read uh, Susie Orman's book. Mm-hmm. And in that book, she talks about the importance of an IRA and how starting young, how starting early is so important. And at that time, how you could open uh, uh, an IRA with as little as $25 a month. And I was like, $25 a month? I can do $25 a month. I mean, I'm working at Burdines, which is like Macy's. I'm working at Macy's and I can I can take out $25 out of my paycheck for this. Mm-hmm. And I started investing when I turned 18 and I, and I opened up my, my Roth IRA account and I started putting $25 every month, $25 for like the first three, four years, it was $25. Mm-hmm. And then it went up to like $50 a month. And then it went up to like $75 a month. And every month I always set it aside and I did it as a recurring investment, an automatic investment where it automatically came out of my checking account. So I didn't have to worry about it out of sight, out of mind. And do you know that a couple of years ago, this may not be news to you, but if you don't, a couple of years ago, my husband and I bought our house and I was able to pull not everything out of my Roth IRA, but I was able to pull about $35,000 for my home investment to put as a down payment for my house. For me, I was like, I thought that was just for retirement. I Never in a million years did I think that I could take out that money and use it towards the purchase of a home. And for me, that was so empowering because I felt like, oh, my gosh, I have to wait till I'm 60 to take this money out, you know, to use it. And for me, that was such a sense of empowerment that, hey, they were right that I could invest as little as twenty five dollars a month and I could see that money grow. And look, now we have a home. Yeah, that's amazing. And that's so important to, I mean, it's, it's so good that you started so early, right? That's just, I mean, you got a little bit more than I got as far as education on finances. Really, we were never taught anything other than you have to work. <laughs> <laughs> that was the extent of our financial education was as soon as I turned 16, my mom put an application for me to start working and I started to make money. And that was it. My whole thing, like it was always make money, make money, make money. It was never what to do with that money. Well, where should that money go? It was never about prioritizing anything. And so that's so amazing that such a young age that you were able to do that. Thank you. So the reason I share that story with you is because if you're a mom or if you're a dad and you have a 17 year old son or daughter, I mean, because when you're 17 or 18, like you don't think th- 30 years old when you're 17, it's like, oh, my God, I'm ancient. <laughs> But time goes by so fast. And I don't know, maybe you can set it up for them. Maybe you can help, you know, get them on their way so that they can start early. When you start like thinking and talking to them that they can have money, they can have, they don't have to worry about working when they're 50 or 60 years old. Because that's the other thing is that we have to change this mentality that we have to work until we're 70 too. And then once we're 70, that we can begin to enjoy our lives. No, no, no. That's, that's not the way it should go. I mean, we work, we work very hard, but the point of working hard is also to enjoy ourselves. So if you start early enough and if you get them started early enough, guess what? When they are 30, when they're going to be able to buy an apartment 
maybe it's an investment apartment. I mean, how cool would it be for your kid to have an investment income and they could be going to school or doing, and they're already generating money. Absolutely. So I think we have to shift that mindset and with that start early, but also with you know that if you're 30, Hey, you still have good 20 years in front of you. You you don't have to wait till you're 70 to, to retire. You know, you can commit to, Hey, I'm going to invest in my future, $500, $700, $1,000 every month, whatever it is, because you're committed to, Hey, I don't want to work the rest of my life. Yeah, you're right. I love that. You know, that's a big thing. It's like, um, there's actually a whole movement now called the fire movement. The (laughs) retire early where people are doing just that. You know, they're saying, you know what? I'm not going to retire when I'm 60. I'm going to retire when I'm 40 and I'm 30 and people are doing this, right? I mean, everyone has different circumstances and I'm not trying to go down that route, (laughs) but you know, um, you definitely don't have to wait until you're 65. For me, I'm looking at maybe 60, maybe earlier. I'm very, very lucky. I have this ancient thing called the pension. <laughs> That's awesome. That there's definitely so much potential. In it. And, you know, the one thing that I did and my mom actually did tell me was she did say contribute to your 401k. She never told me how. She never told me why. She just said, sign it up when you do it. And, you know, when I started my job with the county, um, my my coworkers were like, oh, my gosh, you have to, you know, um, put in money for your retirement at least up to four percent because our employer was matching our contributions which is huge if employer that matches your contributions that's free money that they're giving you for exactly retirement. exactly and if you don't know what that means it means that if they match like if you put in one dollar then they'll match you one dollar up to four percent correct that's correct mm-hmm. so that's what i started and i'm so glad that they put that in my ear i know i'm telling you i did not know what any of this meant I could not tell you what my 401k or my 57B were or what. All I knew was that they were taking money from my paycheck and putting it there. (laughs) Um, I did not understand any of that until last year. So now I'm very active in my retirement accounts and I know what's going on. I know what I'm invested in and I know what I want to be invested in and how aggressively I want to be. But that all comes with education and understanding of all these things. So it's so important to start as early as possible because it's going to set you up. You know, I started when I was at least with a, I had a rollover. Um, so what that means is I had a previous job where I was also contributing to 401k. So when I got to my new job, I rolled over my 401k money from my old job to my new job. Now you could do this as long as the account types match. Mm-hmm. Right? So I had a 401k in my old job. I have a 401k in my new job. So I rolled it over. I didn't have to pay taxes because it just went into the new account. And so that kind of starts me off already a little bit ahead. Then I was contributing the 4% up to my match on two different retirement accounts. And it was just growing. And, you know, I never touched it. I never did anything. And now I have over, I think it was 109,000. Wonderful. Yeah, the last I checked. But why? You know, because I started so far you know i don't even remember when i started my, my my other job maybe when i was you know 22 and i didn't even realize what i was doing <laughs> all i knew was somebody said put money in your 401k and i said okay and i did it and i did not know what that meant and so you know thank goodness that i did that right because that's what allowed us to be set up now and i've done the math i've run the numbers there's something called the investment calculator um it's actually mm-hmm. When you run your numbers based on the money I currently have and my current contributions, I will have over a million dollars by the time I'm 60. That's wonderful. Do you feel empowered to take action and start taking control of your finances? Let's recap Natalia's five steps to get your financial foundation in order. Step one, budget. In order to take control of your finances, you must know how much money is coming in and where your money is going. Step two, have an emergency fund. 
three months to a year's worth of your salary is what you need that is easily accessible should an emergency occur. Step three, understand your debt. Not all debt is bad debt, but understanding your interest rates and how you can get the best deals means money in your pocket. Step four, live below your means. In order to stay on track with your goals, you have to ditch the dress to impress attitude unless it's in your budget. Step five, invest early and often. Less money is required if you start investing early, but it's never too late to start. A 401k or a Roth IRA are your biggest friends if you want to retire comfortably. Don't forget to subscribe so that you can listen to part two of this podcast, Building Generational Wealth, and most importantly, so you can take action for a better future. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Latina Mom Legacy Podcast. Como siempre, mil gracias. And if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at the Latina Mom Legacy or at Mi Legacy. You can also sign up for La Lista and stay up to date with everything that's going on by simply clicking on the show notes in your podcast platform or visit thelatinamomlegacy.com and click on today's episode. You'll also find links to today's recommendations and show special. Finally, want to support this podcast? The best way to show your support is to write a review. Reviews are a way the podcast can get visibility and power other moms like you to connect, create, and carry on our Latinx heritage. Un beso, un abrazo, y hasta la próxima. Ciao, ciao. What do you want your legacy to be?